Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. My name's Carl Truman. I'm professor at Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania and fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C. And I'm here with my longstanding dear friend, uh, the Reverend Todd Pruitt, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Great to be with you, Todd. Great to be with you, Carl, as always. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question I have to ask you. My teacher, uh, my teaching assistant, a man called Isaac Willow, said... I want you to ask this Todd this question. He said, I'm an avid follower of his Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You've got to ask Todd this. So don't shoot the messenger. But the, okay. the question that Isaac wants Sanders is, do you believe in the moon landings? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, you know, a, I, that's a relief. That I, is I a am, relief. I am, <laughs> I am not a conspiracy theorist, however... I, I do find some validity uh, and and just this has just been within the last six months or so. I'm starting to find some validity in in the old statement that um, the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about six months. And um, so, I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, Carl, you have to admit um, uh, w- w- in, in some respects, we're through the looking glass at this point. I mean, you know, there's some there's some strange goings on. There are days when the only thing that stops me believing in conspiracy theories is the fact that people are too stupid and lazy to pull them off. There's an awful <laughs> lot of evidence to suggest they exist. I, I will also say that there is there is a new now multi-million dollar project to finally, and I'm not making this up, to finally find the Loch Ness monster. So I'm pulling for it. I'm I'm yeah. just I'm I'm I've got my fingers crossed. Although <laughs> I mean I'm I'm saying that facetiously because I'm actually a skeptic on on just about everything except just in the last few months now, I'm finding myself to, uh, but, but I, I, I wanted to throw one thing out, uh, b- before we introduce our guest, you know, Carl, um, early on in, uh, uh, the mortification of spin, we, we had some products that, um, uh, that really promoted you and your image. We, um, we had t-shirts that had a, a, a picture of you that says Truman is my homeboy. I have we did, we did. one of those t-shirts. I'm an owner yeah. and wearer yeah. Of, yeah. of one of those t-shirts. Of course, I wear it under another shirt because I don't want yeah. uh, to be Shame one of your of being associated with me. Yes. Exactly. And, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm delighted to say that while this new product does not have my likeness on it, um, it does reflect something of my persona. It, it is it the captures new mortif- your spirit. It, captures it really your does. Spirit. It really does. It, it, it's the tell, new, tell the listeners what it is. <laughs> it's the new um, mortification of spin sleeveless T-shirt um, in honor of me. Because typically that is my attire when we do these uh, recordings. But given that I'm not at home today, but in my office at church, I actually have a shirt with buttons and sleeves. Um, uh, a civilized, a civilized yeah. shirt. But yes, but but you'll shirt. want you'll want to go, you know, and 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 get one of those sleeveless tees. It's it's uh, it's it's really it's really great. And I myself served as the model. Um, for the uh, for the catalog, and so I'm quite yes, excited. About many that. years ago, I would say. Yes, um, <laughs> My anyway. hair is perfect. Yeah. We must we must now move to more serious <laughs> dispense matters. with the ridiculous yeah, and get on yeah. to uh, to better matters. 
It's a great thrill. Well, one of the, one of the delightful things about Mortification of Spin is over the years, Todd and I have got to meet uh, many people, at least virtually, whom we admire and who do important work for the kingdom. And today, uh, today is one of the high points of that. Uh, our guest today is uh, Dr. Christopher Yuan. Uh, Dr. Yuan is uh, the author of a book, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, uh, 2020. Uh, it was the 2020 resource of the year for social issues for Outreach magazine, and also uh, a, a moving personal memoir, Out of a Far Country, which details his dramatic conversion from Christianity. Uh, sorry, not from Christianity, but to Christianity, from being uh, an agnostic gay man. And that lies in the background of what we want to talk to Dr. Yuan about today, because he now heads up uh, the Holy Sexuality Project, and he's recently produced a, a video series, uh, which I think will prove very, very helpful to many of, of our listeners. And it's a video series that really aims uh, to help families think through the big pressing issues of sexuality, gender, identity that are pressing on us today. So, uh, Dr. Yuan, it's a great pleasure to have you on the program. Well, it's a huge honor for me to be with both of you guys, Pastor Todd and Dr. Truman. I've just been a humongous fan from afar, your writings and your teachings and your podcasts. So thank you very much for having me on. We will, and, and, um, and Carl, I think it's important to point out that we did not pay uh, Christopher to no. say any of that. No, no, no. I won't, we did, I won't give, tell we did give him a free muscle shirt. <laughs> uh, and we threatened we'd give him a second one if he didn't say it. So. <laughs> oh, but it is all true, definitely. So grateful for both of you guys. Uh, thank you. But I will that. take that muscle shirt, though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we can arrange that. We can arrange that. So, uh, I mean, fascinating, Christopher. Tell us just a little bit about I, I'm sure many of our viewers, hmm. our listeners, will, will be interested in hearing your story. Can you give us in, in, in brief compass how you came to be the ex-agnostic <laughs> gay man who is now an, a, you know, a, a leading advocate and educator in this extremely important area of discipleship? Well, I mean, I definitely was, you know, former that, but I don't know if I would say leading. I'm just a humble man trying to point people to Christ. Uh, I was not raised in a Christian home, wrestled with my sexuality. I came out, as I would have said it back then in my early 20s, broke the news to my parents. And this is what is so amazing. God used that crisis uh, to bring my mother to faith, mm. who turned into this mm. incredibly tenacious prayer warrior from a complete agnostic, hated Christians, to just someone who loved the lost. She was the most, she had stacks of uh, tracks after she came to Christ, sharing people to Christ, bringing just countless of people to Christ monthly even. Uh, but anyway, she came to Christ. My father did. I went the opposite direction. I was, I'm originally from Chicago, went to dental school. In dental school, that's where I came out. And I, I just was living in the world, having fun, partying. I started uh, experimenting with drugs. Not all gay men do that, but unfortunately I did. I was expelled from dental school and get this three months before I was supposed to receive my doctorate. Mm. And um, I moved from Louisville, where I was going to school at that time, to Atlanta, and there it just went, just spiraled even more further away from God. I was not only selling, but uh, supplying drugs. My parents, they just prayed for a miracle. They came mm -hmm. to visit me. I kicked them out. My dad gave me his Bible. I threw in the trash. That's how much I despised God. And I was so far 
but they prayed for a miracle. My mother, she prayed and fasted. She fasted every Monday for seven years, once fasted 39 days on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And this miracle came with a bang on my door. I was arrested, uh, found myself in jail, found a Bible in the trash can of all things, began reading it. And it was the word of God that began to convict me. Uh, You know, uh, Dr. Truman and uh, Todd, I, I just... I often am asked this question, what ministry, who was it that shared you the gospel, discipled you while I was in prison? It was a few people, but it was the word of God. You know, the the power of any program, of any discipleship or even evangelistic, you know, you know, concept, if it is not grounded in the word of God, there's no power in it. There's no, uh, you know, th- that is not going to be uh, what gives it its authenticity. Yeah. So, it was God's word, me. I had tons of time on my hand. I began reading it, and it was there that God pointed me to him and his word and, and Christ and holiness, not heterosexuality simply, but holy sexuality. And so from that, um, I was called to ministry while in prison. I went to Bible college because I had to go back to get my bachelor's, which I never got when I went to dental school the first time, and then went on to my master's next to Jesus, and then Finally got my doctorate of ministry and was able to write this book with my mom and then my book, Holy Sexuality, and been speaking um, with my parents, which is such a cool, uh, Mm. redemptive moment of being able to minister with my mom and my dad together. Wow, that's, that's an amazing story. That's so good. And I my my introduction to you was through that through your first book Out of a mm. Far Country and um I it, it's one that I love to recommend to people. In fact, to our listeners uh you know uh that that's that's a book you're going to want to read and just by by what Christopher just said I uh, no doubt uh um uh, I guarantee um, many will and you should. Um Christopher tell us just a little bit about I I want to talk um, uh, about a couple of things. Um, I, I want to circle around um, uh, to some of the um, uh, the theology behind um, or the theology that that you really um, and the doctrine you teach uh, in in your in your book, Holy Sexuality and Gospel. But before we get into some of those specific matters, tell us just a little bit about this latest project hmm. um, because it's it's one that you know, we're going to want our viewers to, to get hold of. It's it's one that we're going to want small groups, Sunday school classes, et cetera, to, to get hold of. Tell us a little bit about this latest project. Yeah. Well, actually uh, that is connected uh, to, to my book, Holy Sexuality and the right. Gospel. Uh, and if I could share with you guys, my subtitle, this is what I wanted to be. You guys will enjoy this. <laughs> I wanted it to be sex is our relationship shaped by biblical and systematic theology. <laughs> my publisher shot me down. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> sure, they said, right. you know, yeah. you want your book to sell. And I was like, I'll buy it, you know? <laughs> so, you know, but I, I, I do like the, the, the subtitle. It's yeah. sex is our relationship shaped by God's grand story. You know, Actually, uh, an impetus for this book was my deep friendship with Rosaria Butterfield. Her second book, Openness Unhindered, uh, took a philosophical and the- so before Dr. Truman, your books were out. Um, there really wasn't any philosophical, historical, theological look and critique of sexuality, which was at that time the only thing we were really dealing with. And, and now what you're dealing with as well now with gender, no one was doing that. Um, and I think it was so needed. We had some good exegesis. Then we jumped to kind of practical theology. But I think what was missing was this very important middle of doing some theology and looking at philosophy and all the secular philosophies. 
and some history, and no one was doing that. So Rosaria, her book, Openness Unhindered, did what is one of the first that had that I had seen that had done that. And I thought, boy, we need some some more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought instead of just kind of doing some exegesis, which I thought we needed, looking at those different texts, let's look at the breadth of scripture and develop a theology of sexuality. And so that's why I begin with identity, the image of God, um, hemariology, the sin nature and our the fall and then how that impacts desire and temptation. I have a whole you know, a whole chapter on a theology of desire, theology of temptation, and then getting into this concept of holy sexuality, chastity and singleness, faithfulness and marriage. And then two chapters on a theology of singleness and two chapters on a theology of marriage, doing some biblical theology, and then jumping to the practical theology. See, you know, as we know, oftentimes people just want to jump there without actually undergirding with some good orthodoxy. So that I wrote, it was such it was not easy for me, but it, it, I think it was necessary to kind of have this theology of sexuality. Then I touch on chapter two a little bit of that history, not as nearly as great as as Dr. Truman you have done, um, and I, I touch on that. But this book was really for adults. Well, it needs to be for teens as well. So what I've done is adapted that book, 20 chapters, and put it into 12 video lessons. As much Mm. as I bemoan teenagers aren't reading enough, what they're voraciously consuming are videos. And I thought, man, if I can, because, you know, kids are ready in high school, they don't want additional work for them. So I thought, well, give them something that's it's easier to consume. So I I made the book, in essence, the content much more accessible. I added three additional lessons on gender, so important, because three, four years ago, that was what we were dealing with a little bit, but not as much as we are dealing with now. I also added kind of some of the myths, so doing some of the exegesis and, and dispelling some of those wrong uh, misunder- misinterpretations, Jesus' silence. David and you know uh, David and Jonathan uh, 1946 in the RSV that somehow that was when homosexuality was introduced those type of things yeah. and then what's the big deal so I I've done that it's 12 lessons 36 videos 270 minutes of content it was actually a 1.2 million dollar project that actually wow. we didn't have to pay all that but it has really nice animation. Uh, all customized from illustrators and animators uh, that did stuff for like the Bible project and stuff. So really, really That's high great. quality stuff mm-hmm. uh, to keep them engaged, but to help them to empower them to understand, embrace and celebrate biblical sexuality. That's great. What would you say to a parent who says, yeah, but you know, I homeschool my kids. Yes. Or my kids are at the local Christian school. Yes. This is the stuff that the public schools push, but my kids are safe. I, I'm, I'm taking all of these steps to make sure that the ideologies of the world are not drip, drip, dripping into their brains day by day. What would you, how would you cancel? I, I mean, I think I know what you're going to say. Well, well first of all, say it. what would you I, say? Well, today? first of all, I would uh, completely, um, I, you know, I would be so happy with them that they are homeschooling their kids and that they are uh, putting them in Christian schools because, you know, I used to say homeschooling is such a, it was a great option. I almost feel like it's a necessity with what we are seeing that's eight hours a day, you know, that is being pushed. And and so I, I think that I, I would congratulate them or or celebrate with them that they are doing that and seeing the need. But I think that we need to view this as not exposing our children, but equipping them, unless we're going to lock them in a room. Um, and even then, they can't lock them in a room and protect them from their own sinful heart. 
Mm. Uh, so we have to be equipping. So this video series actually is beginning with teaching good orthodoxy. Um, it's not built to answer every single specific question, because this is sometimes with our kids. If we just simply answer the, all their questions, but we don't actually build a foundation for which they can build on a solid theology uh, for whatever issue that they are, they have to have that right thinking to then get to the right doing. Um, we might be doing a disservice. We have to help our kids to know why you believe what you believe, not teach, not just teach them what you believe. So, um, but I'm thinking more and more today that parents are realizing, even homeschool parents, even parents who have them in Christian schools, and sometimes our Christian schools are becoming more and more like the public schools. Right. But even in homeschooling, um, our parents who, you know, the kids are on the internet, and, and even even that can have the uh, filters and all that, but still it it's we're engaging with the world and we want to help them to know how to rightly engage with the world in very gospel-centric ways. So this is actually even I had homeschool parents in mind doing this. This is perfect mm -hmm. for homeschool parents. And it's really good to help them have these conversations. Cause I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, I had a pastor who reached out to me. He was a scholar, New Testament scholar, four masters, and uh, he heard about our project. He got it, and he said, "I want to put my kids through this before they start school." He was. He said he's he's putting them in a Christian school that is very much like a public school. Mm. So he went through it every single day, twelve lessons for a whole two weeks, skipping Sundays, and he said. After lesson one, his 14-year-old his son and his 16-year-old daughter, daughter, his 14-year-old son said this. He said, Dad, this is so weird. I'm talking about sex with my parents. <laughs> I got it. I was like, I think every kid is – actually, I think every parent is going to say that as well. This is so mm -hmm. weird. The, the father at the end of lesson 12 said this. He said, he said, son, do you still feel awkward or weird? This is what the son said. No, Dad, not at all. That's a win. Yeah. That accomplished what we were hoping for, that this is not the answer for everything. It actually is going to be a tool, a springboard to break down that wall of awkwardness and fear and uncomfortableness mm -hmm. so that our parents and teens and grandparents and their grandchildren are going to begin to have these conversations that's going to go beyond the 12 lessons, go beyond high school into the college and even the adult years. Actually, I, I kind of designed these 12 lessons kind of like a catechism. We all know, you know, you have question and answer, question and answer. Every single lesson has a question and we give the answer. Some of the lessons have two questions, two answers. We begin lesson one. What's the ultimate goal when it comes to sexuality? The ultimate goal is to glorify God. So you guys, you know, this is bringing back some what we know, glorify God by, and then I, and then, uh, you know, to answer the sexuality, glorify God, how? By denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Actually, the whole video series, the ultimate, that like the biggest takeaway is this, follow Jesus, deny yourself, mm -hmm. take up your cross, follow Jesus. And I've ended every lesson with that. Now go and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, one of the things I appreciate about your book and what's clearly going to be so central to to the material that that you all have produced the video curriculum is um as as we know 
you know, the, the the world has been extraordinarily effective at catechizing our our children in 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 the world's uh, philosophy of um, human humanity, what it means to be a person, sexuality, that that sort of thing. And you know, when I was in high school in Houston, Texas, in the 1980s, mm. um, my church really didn't have to give us all of the whys behind the biblical boundaries on human sexuality because. Most of my lost friends believed some of those things. I mean, I probably I, I I can't think of a single unchurched friend I had in high school that wouldn't have said, well, homosexuality is wrong. So I was never challenged in that at all. Well, all of that's changed. All of that's changed. And and we we um, we shortchange the scriptures and we shortchange our people if we don't set the biblical uh, parameters on human sexuality within its deeper, wider framework of of the narrative of creation and humanity and the fall and redemption. If we don't do that, because the Bible does that, the Bible sets yes. God's yes and no's within the larger framework of the great story the Bible tells. And I, you know, the, and and the reason why we need books and twelve week curriculums and that kind of thing is because the story that God tells in His Word is a far better story than the story the world tells, but it takes more time because it has complexities. And, it, you know, the world story is very, very short, very emotionally satisfying. Lo you know, you love who you want to love. Our, our story is more complex. It takes time, but it's a far better story. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, uh, I, I was born in 1970. So 70s and 80s was kind of the time that I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, we all grew up in a time that where biblical sexuality was generally accepted. Divorce right. was, there was a stigma around that, mm -hmm. sex before marriage, all of that, homosexuality. Yeah. It was, but as we see, you know, this progression, um, it has, you know, like Carla, if you said so well, you know, self has been psychologized, psychologized has been sexualized, sexualized has been politicized, and here we are, where everything is, you know, our kids today, this is, this is a little scary, but sobering, um, but an opportunity, uh, crisis in Chinese are, are two words, danger mm. and opportunity. Don't mm. you love that? That's mm. a crisis. Every danger is an opportunity. And that's where we are. There is so much danger. We are in crisis right now, but that gives us an opportunity to equip our kids who have never, that they were not raised in a world where biblical right. sexuality was accepted. And even more, getting to what you communicated so well, Carl, um, it's not just um, I don't agree with you that about biblical sexuality. Biblical sexuality now is about harming us. Like that's when I'm being accused now. 20 years ago right. when I was speaking, I, you know, people were like, oh, what you're doing, you know, you're so hateful. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm killing people <laughs> yeah. according to the world. I'm I'm harming. It's a, the dignitary mm -hmm. harm from Obergefell is now so changed. 2015, that completely changed where it was now law that this not affirming people's self-perception or their sexual desires or their identities is harming them. And what an opportunity this is right now for homeschool parents, for grandparents, for single moms to now be able to communicate the beautiful design of sexuality and sex, male and female, and and laying that just, uh, that's all we have to do. We're not recreating any framework, right. just laying it 
on the framework that God has already has for us, creation, fall, redemption, and consummation, keeping all that in mind as we're addressing these really important things to our kids. Yeah. Where do you think your video series will work best? I mean, is it is it the kind of thing that churches could use for Sunday schools, or is it really designed for the intimate family circle, yeah. bearing in mind, you know, the, the sensitive nature of yes. some of the things uh, being discussed? And whenever I give talks in churches, I'm always acute. I, the first thing I do is look at the audience and who's the youngest person there, mm. you know, because I don't want to be introduced. I don't want to be the person teaching the facts of life to the seven-year-old that's that's the parents (laughs) task it's not mine i agree so what do you think uh you know when you think of this video is it really a family-oriented thing Mm. or or could you see it being deployed uh, more broadly in the church yeah great question as i'm looking at uh, you know as i looked at some of the resources out there i think a lot especially for youth there seemed to be this tendency or many of these resources were for youth groups like a program and i think those are beneficial christian schools But I found what that gave the impression was then that the youth pastor replaced the parent. Parents would drop the kids off at Christian school. You do my job. You disciple my kids, et cetera. So so our ultimate goal, like the end result, is that parents will go through it in the privacy of their own homes and have these conversations at home with their kids. However, we do see the church because this is very, very important. I mean, Rosario Barterfield, one of my close friends, she calls my mom, mom. Her kids call me Uncle Christopher. She is such a church woman. And mm-hmm. I have just been encouraged and challenged by that as well. Who am I as an itinerant speaker? I mean, yes, I'm ordained pastor, but to go and speak and I... And I'm drawing people away from the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and not undergirding. So we we want to really come alongside the bride of Christ. And we see the local church as a conduit, as a way that can help parents to empower them. And they do that by showing it in a Sunday school class with parents and grandparents. I, I don't want to forget that. My my mom, mm. uh, who's who just turned 81, and my father, who's, um, who's with the Lord, um, he was my... My greatest um, cheerleader, he helped support much of this. Um, he went home mm. to the Lord last year. Mm. Um, but they always reminded me, this is for grandparents as well. Like how many grandparents, they're so distraught over their grandchildren. Maybe yeah. they don't have these opportunities. And this is a great resource that this is what I tell grandparents. All you need to know is how to press play. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just do that. But this can be so grandparents, parents are going through it together. They're familiar and then they're, they feel confident like, okay, I, I think I got this. They have friends that they're walking through with this, a pastor, an elder, church leader that can field their questions and going through it with them. You know, these parents can pick up the phone and do it. So I see it as not an either or, but actually both and, but really pushing it to like Deuteronomy 6, right? The greatest mm-hmm. commandment. But what does that say? Teach them diligently. Are we teaching our kids diligently, especially on biblical sexuality and God's design for sex, male and female? I I would say we we have a lot more room to improve, and I think the world is doing it more diligently than that. Let's change mm. that. And even it says, do it with your sons and your sons' sons, yeah. right there in Deuteronomy six. Mm. That's such a good word, and it's 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 such a great reminder that uh, w- when I was a youth pastor, I saw the surveys that bore this out, and all these years later, I, I read something not long ago where it, it's it hasn't shifted at all, which is uh, the the k- kids indicate both religious and non-religious kids indicate that the chief 
influencer in their life is their parent. Um, as, as cynical as we can become as a society, that still hasn't changed. Right. Um, you know, as, as many different inputs as kids have in their lives, that still hasn't changed. And so I, 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 I just want to highlight what, what you said there about, and, and even if you do this in, um, in a Sunday school class, invite parents to come. We, we have found at our church, we have great success with intergenerational Sunday school classes that we will offer and right. particularly for our youth and, and parents and youth will attend together and, and it initiates conversations and helps parents engage better. And boy, what, what a pressing issue this is because, and, and Carl and I have talked about it before on this program, this issue that you're highlighting, this issue of sexual ethics, human sexuality is, is the chief departure point for kids away from the faith. Yeah, that's right. It and is. so we've got to, we, we've got to do a better job of it. Well, um, again, our, our, our guest has been Dr. Christopher Yuan, and uh, we're so grateful for his work. As I've already mentioned, um, the book that he wrote with his mother, um, Out of a Far Country, you really ought to get that. I would highly recommend also um, his book, um, Holy Sexuality, and now this new um, effort, um, the Holy Sexuality Project. Um, and if you go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, uh, um, you can enter to win one of the free access codes that they have supplied for us that will give you access to, to download for free and use for free um, uh, this, this curriculum, which um, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, it's going to be no doubt well worth it. There'll be a lot of different ways you can use it. And, um, so, so be watching for this. You're going to want to use this in your family. You're going to want to use this in your church. And, uh, we would highly encourage you to do that. Um, Christopher, thank you so much for your work. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, to our listeners, we look forward to being with you next time on Mortification of Spin. Teach your children well their father's hell did slowly go by and feed. thanks for listening to mortification of spin a podcast of the alliance of confessing evangelicals for more on topics like this visit mortificationofspin.org where you can find other articles by carl and todd browse the archive of past episodes and make a donation We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin.